So we are starting a brand new series called You Asked For It. Can you guys say You Asked For It? And so what we did is we collected a bunch of questions that people had about the Bible and God and the church. And we laid out a sermon series template based off of your questions. And so let's play this video and we'll get right into this brand new sermon series. Phil, let's play that video. We all ask questions. Are eyebrows considered facial hair? I've always wondered, do vegetarians eat animal crackers? If a number two pencil is so popular, why is it still number two? Do bald people get dandruff? Why are power outages reported on TV? That makes no sense. But some questions are more meaningful than others. How do I handle all the stress in my life? How do I discover God's will for my life and live it out every day? I have a hard time dealing with disappointment. What does the Bible say I should do? How can I be the parent my kids need me to be and the one God wants me to be? What does the Bible say about dealing with difficult people? Because I know some. Are we actually living in the end times? What does that mean for me? So we turn to the one who has all the answers. We'll examine some of our biggest questions and discover God's best plan. Why? Because you asked for it. You asked for it. You know, we're launching this brand new series for the next four weeks. And uh, I've heard a lot of people, especially pastors, be like, Pastor, I'm praying for you. <laughs> I think Moses, he's like, Moses was a pastor for 17 years, right? And he said, Pastor, I'm praying for you. Uh, you really going to just answer any old question? <laughs> Woo! <laughs> so, Moses, you, your prayer life has increased because of the service, and I, I appreciate you for that. <laughs> and so, you know, we're going there. We're, we want to be a community that's authentic and real, and we realize we all have questions, but we believe in the truth. We believe that the Bible can stand up to any questions. We're not afraid. We don't have to put our he heads in the sand and pretend like everything's okay and everything's fine. And there's nothing wrong that ever happens and there's nothing confusing. We acknowledge that there's a lot of confusing things in life, in the world, and in the scriptures. And so we at Kalos want to create a safe, authentic environment where it's okay to ask questions. Amen? Uh, people where we're not afraid to be the dumb person with the weird question. There's no such thing as dumb questions. Only dumb people. Wait, no. There's no such thing as dumb questions. Okay? And so you ask for that's what this series is all about. And so this week's question, I, I just want to say I'm so proud of this question because it's not a self-centered question in itself. It's actually an outward focus question, which shows me a heart of love, another reason why I'm proud of Kalos Church. And the question that we're going to be answering today, one of the first that we received is this, how do we share our faith with people who have been hurt by the church? What a powerful question question. And we acknowledge that people get hurt in the church all the time, which saddens our heart. But I want to say I, I hate this question, and I love this question. I hate this question because I hate that people get hurt in the church. We want to make known the beauty of Jesus. We want to be a group, a family, a people that helps people heal, that helps people find joy and peace and purpose connected to the source of all life, Jesus Christ. But sadly, many people get hurt in those environments. I bet if I talked with many of you, I would hear stories of church hurt or maybe spiritual abuse or maybe things that didn't quite meet your expectations. 
reputation. Maybe you put a pastor on a pedestal, and then you found out that person was actually doing something maybe immorally or embezzling money or a sexual scandal, and you're like, what is going on? Or maybe you opened your heart up in a church, and you felt like people just never included you. You could never get into that elite circle. You never felt like you belonged. You felt like people were just using you. And there are hurts that can come, and especially if you haven't decided to follow Jesus and the hurt has been from a church and it's been painful. I know in my own life, I went to Bible college, I graduated, I served at a church for two years. I was speaking, I was preaching, I was pastoring the youth, and then I just felt like totally hurt and abused by the leadership in the church. In fact, after being a call to pastor, after having this group, I left the church and I moved from America to Korea and started my master's to get my master's in education so that I could be a high school principal because I was thinking, I'm done with ministry. I'm done with the church. I, I love God, but I hate the church. So I understand what it's like to experience church hurt. And so that's why I, I hate this question. But at the same time, like I mentioned earlier, I love this question because it tells me that you guys want to reach people with the gospel. It tells me that you acknowledge that people have been hurt by the church, but there is still a passion to share the gospel and help people experience the beauty of Jesus. So proud of that question. And so before I directly answer this question, I want to catch us up on kind of the basis of this, on something that we should know as Christians called the Great Commission. Everyone say the Great Commission. I was just reading a survey that said 55% of Christians could not tell you what the Great Commission means. And so I just want to make sure we at Kalos Church really understand that. And so I want to read Mark 16, 15. And Jesus is telling his disciples this. And then he told them, go into all the world and preach the good news to everyone. So who are we supposed to share the message of Jesus, the good news, the gospel to? Who are we supposed to share it with? Say it again. So I love that. And this is what Jesus asked us as disciples to do. And it reveals the heart of God that he's concerned about those who are lost and need to be found. He's concerned about those who are in the darkness and need light. Amen. In Luke 15, 7, Jesus says this. Suppose one of you had a hundred sheep and lost one. Wouldn't you leave the 99 in the wilderness and go after the lost one until you found it? When you found it, you can be sure that you put it across your shoulders rejoicing. And when you got home, calling your friends and neighbors saying, celebrate with me. I found my lost sheep. Count on it. There's more joy in heaven over one sinner's rescued life than the, over the 99 good people in no need of rescue. This is the heart of God. This is the heart of Jesus. You know, uh, last week, or no, two weeks ago after Sunday, my wife and I, Pastor Amritha, we decided to drive to the mountains in our Honda Element, all right, with our son in the back, our two-year-old son. We drive into the mountains, and we go check out some of these ski hills and look at the snow, snow banks like, 20 feet tall. It's crazy up there in the mountains. And we go home, drive for like 40 minutes to get home from the mountains. And Amrita says, uh, honey, I cannot find my wedding ring. She's like, I put on lotion. 
I put my wedding ring on my lap, and now I don't know where it is. As I said that, I saw a bunch of people checking for their wedding rings. <laughs> I love that. She says, I can't find my wedding ring. Is this a joke? Are you hiding it? No. She says, I know we're only 10 minutes from home, but we got to turn around. Our kid is crying. We just got back from the mountains. We don't want to turn around. But we go, and we start looking all over. We look in our car. We clean up everything. We take the mats. We look in the steering wheel. We check all of our bags. We, like, oh, we're so frantic. We're searching and searching and searching. And we go all the way back to this, this ski hill, this, like, place where all these snowboarders and people are. We go to a gas station, and we, we're like, all right, we're going to go look through the snow. We're going to look in the parking lot. And uh, as we're searching, Amritha decides, I'm going to go into the gas station. She walks into the gas station. She says, have you guys seen my wedding ring? I, I want to stay married. Have you seen my wedding ring? And, and these two ladies just look at her, and they smile, and they say, you are so lucky. Someone actually found your wedding ring in the parking lot and brought it in. And uh, I love this because, come on, yeah, <laughs> you're pumping me up. And we are married to this day. It was close. <laughs> actually, when she lost the wedding ring, I said, honey, I actually said this. Why did I say this? Honey, our, our marriage is not in question. <laughs> She's like, why do you say that? <laughs> <laughs> As, you know, the thing about this is when we were looking for that wedding ring, we didn't take that moment to take inventory of all the found things in our life. We weren't like, you know, I have this piece of jewelry, and I, I have this piece of clothing. Uh, we weren't taking, you know, count of all the things that were found. We were distracted by the one thing that was lost. And just like we saw in Luke 15, this is the heart of our God. He is distracted by those who are lost, his children that are in the darkness and are looking for light and hope, people who are depressed or suicidal or don't have a community or their marriage is falling apart or they're in financial ruin or they're trying to find their purpose, trying to find some hope in this world. God is distracted distracted with his children who are lost and not just counting those who are found. In fact, all of heaven rejoices more over the one who is found than the 99 who stayed. And I just love the heart of our Father. And you know, while our worship here is amazing and our singing is amazing and God loves it, he's not enamored in our worship. I think at times God is distracted by the one who isn't in the worship. Because he's willing to leave the 99 to go after the one. Amen. And so this is the great commission. Sharing our faith that we are called as God's people to freely give what we've received. That we as found people have been called to go find people. Amen. Because found people find people. And so we cannot let the great commission. If you're taking notes, here's a good Line. We cannot let the Great Commission turn into the Great Omission. We are God's plan A to share hope with the world, and there is no plan B. Amen? God wants to use you to fulfill his Great Commission. And I, I like this quote from our own Kayla Reese. Where's Kayla? Come on. <laughs> and, and, and here's how this quote goes. Sharing the gospel is my full-time job. 
everything else is secondary. Come on, that's, take a picture of that and post that on your Instagram. That's a powerful quote. Let me read it again. Sharing the gospel is my full-time job. Everything else is secondary. Because Kayla understands that I have been commissioned by God. And whatever God loves, I love. Whatever God's distracted by, I'm distracted by. Because found people find people. So we're either finding God or we're finding people. Amen? And so this is a great commission. And, you know, if you're asking that question in this series, you already know that. And that's why you asked it. And I, I love that. But I just wanted to catch us up all to speed. And especially with Kalos, you know, a lot of people are concerned at times that we're just going to be another big church. And I think that's a valid fear because we don't just want to be a crowd where nobody knows each other. We don't want to just be friendly. We want to be friends. And so I think it's a good concern, but it's very important that we aren't just a church for church people. In fact, the church is a mission and we have been given a mission by God. And if we fail to Go after the Great Commission. We fail to be the church. The church has been given the responsibility to destroy the gates of Hades. The church has been given the responsibility to share the hope of the world. And so when we start saying, hey, Kalos Church, we have enough people here. Will you tell me about Jesus? No. We already have too many people at Kalos Church. There's no room for it. Please. No. We don't want to be too big. We cannot share the hope of Jesus with you. What about the Great Commission? I don't care. Like, we're not, that's just not us. We never wanted to create a church just for church people. We want to be a place where we can make known the beauty of Jesus who do not know the beauty of Jesus. That's the kind of church we are. We are distracted by the things that are distracting God who leaves the 99 to go after the one. Amen. And that's why I'm so proud of this question because it's not selfish. It's saying, how can I be the church God has created? Oh, I love that. I'm so proud of you, Kalos Church. And But when we're sharing our faith, there can be some barriers. It's difficult. You know, people are hostile towards the gospel. Sometimes people have been hurt by the church. They don't want to hear it, or maybe they grew up in the church. They had all these bad experiences. I don't. I've, I know what you're going to say. I don't want to hear it. Please leave me alone. Or you know, people are skeptical about the existence of God, or they hear all the things on the news about you know what the church does or what hypocrites do. I would go to church, but there's just too many hypocrites. There's a lot of barriers, and many of you have tried to share your faith, and it's awkward. How do I start a conversation? Hey, hey, nice shoes, buddy. Uh, have you repented? <laughs> like, how do you, how do you do this? And there, there are just so many barriers for us sharing our faith. Like, am I supposed to just bombard everyone I see on the street? Am I supposed to make up a sign and just be like, turn or burn? You know, like, what, what, how do I share my faith? And so I, I just want to talk about three simple ways that I personally share my faith consistently in my life. Because, let's be honest, evangelism, which is this fancy word for means. It means sharing your faith. Evangelism typically is something that Christians and non-Christians hate to do. <laughs> you know, they hate it. <laughs> like, I, I feel awkward sharing my faith. I feel awkward when you share your faith with me. Like, let's be real. Evangelism can be really awkward for all parties involved. And 
typically we fall into two like ditches on the road. Like either we, we, we don't want to offend people, so we never say anything. And when we do, we, we just don't want to offend, so we, we water down the gospel. And we just say like, hey, you know, this is totally cool. You can believe whatever you want to believe. Do whatever you want to do. It's all good. And we just kind of water down the gospel. Or we fall into this other ditch where we're so mean with our faith. We're like, I cannot compromise the truth. I'm going, I'm going to just yell at you with a gospel, and I'm going to make sure you understand how evil you are. That is my purpose. Do you think you're evil? Yes or no? No, you are. Mission accomplished. And so we can fall into these categories like where we water down the gospel. But I really believe that you're not really going to make a difference unless you're different. Okay? And so we need to hold to the truth of God's word. But at the same time, we need to speak the truth with love and grace. Amen? And so let me read it like this. In, uh, in Colossians, the scripture says in 4... Chapter 4, verses 5 through 6, be wise in the way you act toward outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. I like the scripture. It says be wise. It doesn't say be loud. It doesn't say be right. It doesn't say be mean. It says be wise in the way you act towards outsiders. Make the most out of every opportunity. So that, that means we're looking for opportunities to share the gospel. We don't need things to work out perfectly. If you give me an inch, I'm going to lead you to Jesus. <laughs> if you give me one little opportunity, I'm going to make the most of it. And let your conversation be always full of grace. Oh, it's kind. It's seasoned with salt. It's palatable. This tastes good. It doesn't make me feel worse about my relationship with you. I don't feel like afraid of life. So that you may know how to answer everyone. And so in order to fulfill this, I do kind of three things. And number one, for how I consistently share the gospel in my life is, number one, and especially to those who have been hurt by the church, is I, number one, I simply listen to their story. I simply listen. I simply engage and get into someone's life. I love that Jesus never compromised the truth, but sinners love to spend time with him. Jesus never watered down the gospel, but people who are kind of rejects of society couldn't get enough of Jesus. And my point here is we don't just want to win arguments to share our faith. We want to win people. And if we're going to do that, that means we need to connect. We need to, in fact, we need to connect before we correct. We need to connect before we correct, just like Jesus did so many times in the gospel. And at Kalos Church, that's why we're very intentional with things that we have coming up, like we're doing a parents' night out, where we're going to say, hey, we're going to babysit your kids. If you need a break, if you need to go on a date night, if you just need a night alone on April 27th or 28th, we're doing something called Parents' Night Out where you can bring your kids. We're going to babysit them for free. We're going to love you in a tangible way. We're just going to make sure we have a connection. We're not even going to 
preach the gospel, actually, we're going to just send you away <laughs> so you can be alone, adults, and we're going to take care of your kids. We're going to love them with the love of Jesus. That's why we've done things like Sophia Outreach. People have been like, Kalos, you are, you're a weird kind of church. You're in a comedy club, but I can't deny that you help those women who are suffering from domestic violence and abuse, and so we believe in what you're doing. We want to connect. You know, every Wednesday, my wife, she comes home, after she leads a small group uh, called Girls Night In. <laughs> Woo-hoo! All right, ladies. And so Girls Night In. And she comes home every Wednesday night. She's like, pretty Ben, girls love each other. <laughs> we, just, we just talk and we, we, I, <laughs> and we just look at each other and we read the scriptures. And there are people who have never come to Kalos on a Sunday morning, but they come every week on a Wednesday night to just connect. And they feel like they're getting community. And there's this one girl, she hasn't been to church in years, but she comes to our, our small group, and we just hang out in a home, and she's sharing her heart, and we say, we love you, and we welcome you, and I don't care if you're swearing. I don't care if you're a real person. I don't care if you have junk. Like, we're so glad you're here. And she says, these girls can't get enough of it. People who are skeptical of God, who have been hurt by the church, who don't really want to come on a Sunday morning, they can't get enough of this connection. And that's just the kind of church we are. We want to connect with people. And you know what? This is the way Jesus was. And he illustrates this principle that we see time and time again. People don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. It's true, right? I don't care what you know. And, uh, you know, in Jesus, in Luke 19, Jesus illustrates this. It says, Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was wealthy. He wanted to see who Jesus was, but because he was short and could not see over the crowd. Uh, so he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him since Jesus was coming that way. And I love this. This guy, Zacchaeus, he's a tax collector. Just so we can understand the biblical context, back then, tax collectors weren't very popular. You probably won't understand. You probably can't. In this culture, in this day and age, back in Bible times, people weren't a huge fan of tax collectors. So just try to understand the text here. It's going to be very difficult. But I, I like that it says that Zacchaeus, it didn't say that Jesus, that he wanted to know what Jesus knew. It says that he wanted to see who Jesus was. Check that out. He wanted to connect with Jesus as a real person, not just his knowledge, not just his instruction, not just his correction. He wanted to know who Jesus was. That's powerful. In verse 5, when Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. Now, that's my Jesus, inviting himself over for lunch. You better know I followed in Jesus' footsteps a lot of times. <laughs> Thank you for your lunches. And uh, <laughs> but Jesus, he, he starts off connecting. Zacchaeus, I'm coming over to your house. You don't have to come to the synagogue with me. You don't have to sit at my sermon. I'm going out of my way to make sure I get to know you on your turf, in your territory. I'm going to get to know you brother. And then, and then in verse 7, all the people saw this and began to mutter, he has gone to be the guest of a sinner. But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, look, Lord, 
Here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor. And if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. What happened at that lunch? I mean, Jesus just connected with Zacchaeus, and suddenly he's like, hey, I've wronged people. I've taken too much money, and now I'm going to return it. I'm going to return more than I took. Zacchaeus had a major life change that started as a connection because people don't care what you know until they know that you care. It's just a principle that Jesus illustrates for us. And I, I love that the religious people in that day and age are like, Jesus, he's going to be friends of sinners. Oh, Jesus, you should only be hanging out with holy people. Man, I would love that to be the reputation of Kalos Church. Oh, that, that's a church that sinners go to. Oh, those people, they, they don't have their act all together. Oh, those people are still figuring out what they believe. Those people aren't as holy as I thought they would be because we want to be a people that is full of people that are finding Jesus, a safe place to explore the beauty of Jesus, a safe place to fall in love with Jesus because I went to church before I loved Jesus and my faith was like being potty trained. And it happened in one day. <laughs> no, it did not. It was a process. And so Jesus friend of sinners, and we've had critiques. Why do you worship in a comedy club? Do you know what happens in this club? There's sinners there. They're drinking. They're dancing. They're gyrating. You're going to worship where people gyrate? Yeah, we are. We're a church and a comedy club. No joke, amen. And I love that. We want to be a safe place for people to find Jesus. It's just so good. And so check this out. In verse 9, Jesus said to him, Today, salvation has come to this house because this man, too, is the son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. Let's say that together. For the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. So, the first thing we need to do before we correct people is we connect with people, we listen to stories. So much more if they've been hurt by the church. Instead of going in there with correction, well, no, that's not what the church is meant to be. No, that's not, how, that's not what the scriptures say. Just listen to a story. Don't go into problem-solving mode. You know, lament. Mourn with those who are mourning. Hurt with those who are hurting. Just, that sucks. I'm so sorry that happened. I, I hate that. I, I, it's not okay. It's not okay. Instead of just telling them how things should be or could be or what the scriptures say, we just connect. We enter into the pain with them. Amen? So the second thing I do after I, I listen to a story is if you are invested in someone's story, you're interested into them, it's going to not be too long before they feel like maybe I should ask you a question about who you are. You know, you've taken me out to lunch, or we've connected. You've asked me a lot of questions. Well, now I, I want to know about your story. And so in 2 Peter 3.15, the scripture says, But in your hearts revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect. Earlier, the scripture said, make the most of opportunities. And so when you're listening to someone's story, eventually they're going to want to know your story. And you better believe I make the most of that opportunity. Because <laughs> then I share my testimony. It's powerful. And so our, our goal is to be witnesses. That's another word that Jesus uses. He says, and you will be my witnesses. And so we as Christians are called to be witnesses. 
Notice how Jesus didn't say, and you will be my judges. He didn't say, and you will be my defenders. He didn't say, you will be my prosecutors. He didn't say, you will be my jury. Jesus said, and you will be my witnesses. So we don't need to attack people. We simply need to share what we have seen. Share our story. So point number two is let them know your story. You've heard their story. Now they're wondering, what is your story? Let them know your story. So our goal is to be a witness for Jesus, not a judge, prosecutor, or defendant. And so in my life, I look for triggers. If someone says, like, what's your story? I share my testimony. If someone says, I'm new to town, I see that as a trigger. If someone says, why did you move to Bellevue? I use that as an opportunity to share my story. If someone says, what do you do for a living? I go, I'm a pastor. Let me tell you why. <laughs> and so I, I take the opportunities to share my story. And uh, I, I just want to encourage you guys, learn how to tell your story or your testimony in two minutes. Create like an elevator pitch. Like basically a testimony is what was life like before Jesus? The time of darkness, the time without hope, the type of desperation you were going through. Then how did you find Jesus? Oh, I got invited to a church or something like that. And then what has life like, what has life been like after following Jesus? And so when we share our story, it's really an amazing opportunity to share the gospel. And so people will say like, hey, so uh, I'll hint drop. I meet someone. This just happened yesterday. I, I, or, I mean, sorry, the day before. I was at a park. I was in Everett. And someone said, hey, what, hey you've asked me a lot of questions about me. What, what, what do you do for a living? I said, well, actually, I just moved here to Bellevue about a year ago. Well, why, why did you move to Bellevue? Well, I wanted to start a church and a comedy club. Oh, why did, why did you want to do that? Well, you know, my, my family actually immigrated from Sri Lanka, and uh, they had a hard time adapting to the culture of Minnesota. It was cold. They didn't have a community. They were Hindus and didn't have a temple to worship at. And they were really struggling, and so they decided that they were going to commit suicide as a family. It's just so tragic. But then a pastor saw my dad sitting on a bench in Minneapolis, and he said, hey, don't do that. Live with my family. We're going to love you. And from that, the church treated my family so well that they were open to the gospel. Well, later on, I was a teenager, and I was kind of going through the same cycle as my family. I was going to commit suicide. I was depressed. I was, you know, involved with so many things. I was getting arrested. People are selling drugs in my basement, but then this girl invited me to church. And there's this environment where people are friendly and loving, and there's so much hope. And I heard the message of Jesus that you can have purpose in life. And I, I just started to fall in love with Jesus, and I, I wanted that. So I started praying, and I felt like Jesus started to speak to me, and the scriptures became alive. And I made a decision to surrender my life to Jesus. And I, I went from being the suicidal kid to finding hope and purpose and life and joy. And I, I gave my life to Jesus. And I, I just want to freely give all that I have freely received. So in less than two minutes, I shared my testimony. And I just want to encourage you, as you get into people's life, and then they want to hear your story, be prepared to share your testimony quickly. Tell them about how life was before Jesus, how you found Jesus, and how good life 
is after Jesus. Because, come on, we are a group of people that has been transformed by the beauty of Jesus. He's made a difference in our life, and we are in love with this amazing God. Amen. How can we help but share? Oh, Jesus is so good. I love it. And so that's what I do. I just simply share my message, and uh, I'll even tie it into my church hurt story. If I know someone has been hurt by the church, I'll share that story. And uh, actually, before I end this message, I'll share a little bit more of how I got healed from church hurt. And so number three, what I will do is I will lead them to another experience. I'll lead them to another experience. And, uh, you know, even last week, Brian here was on the screen. He was sharing his testimony. Wasn't that powerful? Who heard that testimony last week? It's just amazing, so bold. And he shared how uh, he hadn't been going to church. They loved Jesus, but they had found judgmental people in the church back in L.A., and they were really skeptical to return to worship with God's people. And uh, he said, but I gave Kalos another chance. And I just want to encourage you, like, if you've been hurt by the church, you know, it's amazing to worship with your family. So, so give God another chance. Give the church another chance. And he simply shared his story. And uh, he said an amazing thing. Instead of just focusing on all the bad, he talked about a brand new experience he had at Kalos Church. He led them to a new experience. You know, there's this character in the Bible. His name is Paul the Apostle. And he hated Christians. In fact, he murdered Christians. He would persecute the church back in the times of the Bible. You can read about him in the book of Acts. And most of the New Testament was written by Paul the Apostle. But there's a time in his life where he hated Christians, he murdered Christians, he persecuted them. And he had an experience, though, with Jesus. And it changed everything in his life. It's amazing that he had this idea about Christians, he had this idea about Christianity, but one new experience changed his whole perspective. And he became a follower of Jesus. And he says this scripture in 1 Corinthians 2, 1 through 5. He says, And so it was with me, brothers and sisters. When I came to you, I did not come with eloquence or human wisdom as I proclaimed to the testimony, as I proclaimed to you the testimony about God. For I resolved to know nothing while I was with you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. I came to you in weakness with great fear and trembling. My message and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words, but with a demonstration of the Spirit's power, so that your faith might not rest on human wisdom, but on God's power. I love this scripture. And time and time again, people come here to Kalos, and they're saying, I've been hurt by the church, or I had this perception about God and his people. I've never been to church, but I had this idea of what Christians are like. But then I came, and I saw you guys worshiping. I heard EDM music. I saw that you're in a parlor comedy club. I just saw the most beautiful arrangement of cardigans, and something shifted. <laughs> something changed my perception. And you know, there's these arguments people have in their heads about why the church is evil or why God is evil, but there's a truth here, and it, it's this. A person, it's a quote by Leonard Ravenhill. I love this quote. A person with an experience is never at the mercy of a person with an argument. And I, I love creating an environment like this in a comedy club 
because we can give people a new experience of God. We can give people a new experience of the church and God's people because we are here because we want to make known the beauty of Jesus, but we also want to be a beautiful church. Kalos means beautiful in Greek. We want to be a people that says, hey, we're serving at Kalos Church. We're on the dream team. We're giving our lives to invest in a better experience so that other people will have a better experience with God. And we don't believe that evangelism or the Great Commission is simply just bringing people to church, but here's how I wrote it. I want to get this right. The Great Commission isn't simply bringing people to church, but the church is the greatest tool for fulfilling the Great Commission. And so we are God's plan A to share the hope of the world, and there is no plan B. God's idea was the church. God trusted the gospel, not to a group of individuals, but to the church. And the gates of Hades shall not prevail against the church. And so we lead people to a new experience. Hey, you know what? I know you've been hurt by the church. I know you've had these ideas about God, but let me help you have a better experience. I will take responsibility for it. I'm going to love you. I'm going to show you how good God is. I'm going to take the time to pray with you. I'm going to dig in the scriptures with you. And we're not going to judge this thing based on the abuse or the misrepresentations of Jesus, but let's look at what Jesus actually said in the scriptures. Let's look at what Jesus actually did. And in fact, I'm trying to do that in my church experience at Kalos. Let's not just wait for the perfect church. Let's create the perfect church, amen? Let's just not hope things will get better. Let's dig in. Let's get involved. Let's get invested. And let's create a beautiful church with God together, amen? And so we see a church that is beautiful. We see a church where it's okay not to be okay, but we're not okay with people staying that way. We want to be a church where people can ask questions and have an encounter with Jesus. We want to be a church where people come in and they find love. They find a community. They find a hopeful message. They see the beauty of Jesus. And that happens when we together grab hands and partner with God, not with the great mono mission, but with the great co-mission. Amen. And so it's us and God, loving God and loving people, doing this together, leading people to another experience. Amen? And so this is our responsibility. And this is what I do in my personal life. I listen to people's story. I share my own story. And I lead them to another experience. And it's powerful. It doesn't happen overnight all the time, but sometimes it does. And there are a lot of people who had a brand new experience with the church last week, and I am so pumped about that. Ben, would you guys please come up? And so we're going to worship in a little bit. And I, I just want to say, hey, I've been hurt by the church. But check this out. I've been hurt by the church, but I've also been healed by the church. Let me say that again. I've been hurt by the church, but I've also been healed by the church. You know, after I, I ran away from ministry, I moved to Korea, I went back to Minnesota, and uh, I was not, I had not gone to any services really consistently for two years after being a preacher. I get back to Minnesota, and my old youth pastor says, I'm starting a church, and that's all he said. He didn't really invite me or anything, but I, I decided to go in this community, listen to me. They shared their own stories. They didn't just try to correct me. They empathized with my pain. They lamented with my pain. 
They share their own stories of pain. And this church just let us kind of go at our own pace. And they loved us and loved us and loved us. And Amritha and I, we just went for a while. And slowly but surely, we began to find healing. Where we had been hurt by the church, we were being healed by the church. And after almost a year of this, we said, I think we're ready to go back into the ministry because the church has healed us. Now, I, I don't know where you guys are at if you've been hurt by the church or you're talking to a friend who's been hurt by the church, but I, I just want to let you know we are responsible to give people another experience. That as we engage with people, we love them with the love of Jesus, I really believe that we can make a difference. So I want to challenge you. Don't let the Great Commission become the Great Omission. Let's share our faith. Amen? When we stand up to our feet, and let's just proclaim the name of Jesus right now. Let's proclaim the name of Jesus. And I, I just want to pray that we would be a church that makes known the beauty of Jesus. We would be a church where people can find healing from any kind of pain. So, Father, we just lift up your name. Jesus, Jesus. Lord. Jesus, Jesus. Lord, we lift up your name, that we would proclaim not your name just here, but in our Jesus, world. Jesus, Jesus. Lord, help us to love people as the church. Jesus, Jesus. Because your name is life that the shadows can't deny. Your name cannot be overcome. Jesus, we believe your life can your overcome darkness. with our friends, Lord. Let the Great Commission not become the Great Omission, Lord. You know, I realize that there are a lot of people here, maybe it's your first time at a church or hearing the message of Jesus or us talking about Jesus. Maybe you've gone to church before, but it's been a while since you've been back. I just want to give everyone an opportunity to make a decision to surrender your life to Jesus. So let's close our eyes and bow our heads in this moment. If you're in this place and you're saying, hey, I want to give my life to Jesus, I need him. I want him. I've made mistakes. I need forgiveness. I, I don't want to follow my own lead anymore. I want to follow the lead of Jesus. If that's you in this place and you're saying, Pastor Pradeep, pray for me. I want to follow Jesus. 
man, I hope you make that decision. It's the best decision you could ever make. But if that's you right now, you're saying, Pastor, could you even pray for me? I want to surrender to Jesus right now. On the count of three, would you raise your hand so I can see it and so I can pray for you? One, two, three. Just raise your hand so I can see it. I want to pray for you. Awesome. Awesome. All right, let's pray this prayer together. This isn't a magic spell, but it's just a way of maybe articulating what's in our hearts. Let's say it all together. Lord Jesus, I need you. Thank you for dying on the cross for me. I open the door of my life and receive you as my Savior and Lord. Thank you for forgiving my sins. Take control of my life. I turn from my old ways and invite you to come into my heart and life. I want to trust and follow you as my Lord and Savior. In the name of Jesus, amen. Can we give Jesus a round of applause? Awesome, awesome. Well, I'm going to invite Pastor Amritha up here to close out our service. All right. All right, man. Did some of you just feel like you got healed and set free from some church hurt this morning? You can have a seat. And uh, I'm just so thankful. I think sometimes it's just so refreshing to have a pastor say, I know this happens in the church. I know it happens, and it's happened to me. And so I'm just so thankful for all that God is doing in, in this place. And so I, uh, oh, for the record, okay, when we get together on Wednesday nights, we don't just look at each other, girls, and smile. Okay, like I was like, why does our small group sound so lame right now? Because it is not. Am I right, girls? It's awesome. It's awesome. Okay. Well, I want to introduce you to my beautiful, beautiful friend, Michelle, who, um, Michelle is a part of Kayla's church and has become a very dear friend of mine. And actually at this very uh, same small group that Pastor Pretty Ben referenced, a couple weeks ago, uh, God just kind of came in in our midst and like uh, my, my walls came down and I started sharing some things that I don't normally share with people. And, and all of a sudden it triggers Michelle and her walls come down and she starts sharing some things. And it was a cry fest, okay, for a minute. It was. And uh, her story was so precious to me and so beautiful that I would love for you to hear it. And I asked Michelle if she would be so brave uh, to share it this morning. And so before we transition and take offering this morning, uh, Michelle, would you just share with us? Thank you. Yes. So, um, wow. So church hurt. Um, and I'm going to read part of it from my phone just because um, some of it is very hard for me to get through. Um, so this is one of the hardest things um, for me to share with anyone. And I'm choosing to share it here in this place is because this is a place that I've been able to start healing here. So um, my first church hurt was 15 years ago. And I think I'm like, 15 years ago? That's a long time. And um, sometimes that pain feels as fresh today as it did 15 years ago. Um, I was told, um, <coughs> my husband, he's a pastor, and I was told that he would not be successful if he was married to me. It hurt. Over the years, as a pastor's wife, I have been told, you should have, you could have, you didn't, you should. Um, why didn't you? Um, every word, I just felt 
It's like the chains were just being wrapped around me and um, led me to a place where I didn't trust anyone from the church. Um, I was secure. I knew God had my back. Um, I knew I was good enough for Jesus. I knew I was good enough for God and that he had my back. But that's when I made a conscious decision that um, I just I couldn't open myself up to the people at church anymore. So for five years, um, I would go to church, walk in the door, listen to the message, and just beeline straight to the door because um, I just didn't want to open myself up anymore. there are times during that time I was like, you know, I really miss fellowship. Like, I used to be the fellowship coordinator, like, get people connected to one another. And it was just so weird. And here I was like, I don't want to connect with anyone. Um, So for four years, I did that. And um, I was like, you know what? I'm an elementary educator. That's my ministry. Those are my people. I can get validated at work. Um, and then this past September, um, we had a new coworker, and she was just this shining light. <laughs> just had a huge heart for God, had a huge heart for kids. Um, she passed away in September um, at the age of 28 um, after she gave birth to a beautiful baby boy. <laughs> And I looked, and I turned, and I didn't have anyone. And um, I said, you know what, Michelle, something's got to change. Like, I felt so alone. And so the following weekend is when I decided to um, be courageous and come up and walk through those doors. So I get it. For some of you that are sitting here, I get how courageous and how much courage it takes to walk in through those doors. Um, And I came, and for a couple Sundays, I tried the beeline out the door, but um, people here just, like, stopped and wanted to get to know me and um, went to Kayla's crash course and signed the card and said, well, kind of familiar with media and ended up joining the media team and trying to tell people, you know, I'm not sure if I'm good enough for this. And um, people just here being very um, kind and just like, you are good enough and hearing those messages. And then um, through our Wednesday night girls group, um, just hearing people's stories and hearing people share from their heart the good bad and the ugly and just um, seeing how everyone is embraced for who they are has led me to a place of um, just starting to feel healing. Um, I just want to let everyone here know that there's people here at Kalos who want to pray with you and laugh with you and cry with you and to do life with you. I'm still processing through past church hurts, but I'm so glad and I'm so thankful that I have people alongside me to do it with. So thank you. Come on, give it up. Come here, girl. 
Well, thank you for being so brave and being so awesome and sharing that with us. And uh, I know we're running just a couple minutes late, but she had to hear that, right? I mean, it was just such a gift to hear such a beautiful story.